Our first scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and verses 16 through 21. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. famous author J.R.R. Tolkien. In 1937, he published his second most popular book, The Hobbit. And it was about a young hero who went on this great adventure, fought evil, experienced all sorts of things, and then came back and lived a wonderful, full life. Fifteen years later, Tolkien published his most famous work, Lord of the Rings. That work is about a group of adventurers who go out and they fight evil and they experience all of these incredible things and they return home and they find that they can't go back to normal life because their home isn't the same as it was. And more than that, they weren't the same. Now, I think my theory is that Tolkien kind of used those works to work through his own experience in the war. He fought in World War I, and at one point he said that young officers were dying left and right, and that leaving his wife to go to war felt like death. So he went on this great adventure, and he fought for what he believed was right, and he returned home, and over the next few decades, he realized that home wasn't the same. Tolkien, along with the rest of the world, realized after this great struggle of the First World War, they realized how desperately wicked the human heart is and how what they had fought for in their youth, that they would actually be spending the rest of their lives on this work. If it meant anything to them when they were fighting, it would require nothing less than the rest of their lives. So what's the difference between a quest and an odyssey? A quest is something that can augment your life, add a new experience. Wasn't that nice? I've learned something. I had an adventure and then back to normal life. But there are some adventures that when you return home, you find that you never see home the same way again. 
and you find that the normal life you wanted to return to, maybe it was never there. Now, I think that we as Christians are called into this great adventure, and it's very tempting to think this spiritual part of my life can augment my life. But the more we get into this work of God's love, the more we get into this work, as we've read in the scripture, of caring for others, of loving our neighbor, the more we get into that work, we realize that this is so life-changing that it's gonna cost nothing less than our very lives. That if we see our neighbor the way God wants us to see them, that we don't have the luxury of returning to normal, even after a great struggle. Now, over the next few weeks, we're gonna be doing a sermon series for Lent that will talk about uh, our covenant story, this great adventure that began with the patriarchs thousands of years ago and continues on to today. And we'll see several figures in the Bible who began this great adventure and their lives were never the same. And this great, glorious struggle required nothing less than their entire lives. But I do think, as Christians, even today, even Ash Wednesday, when we remember how short life is, when we remember our mortality and remember how fragile life is, even today, I think it's okay to skip ahead a little bit and to think about our hope to remember what we're looking forward to. And as it's said, to remember that the pain now is part of the happiness then. So let's remember our hope. Let's remember how fragile life is, yes. But let's remember that this is one page in a story, a story that we're promised that God will swallow up death in victory that God will wipe away every tear, that not one of Jesus Christ's enemies is left standing, not even death. A few months ago, Stephen Colbert did an interview with Vanity Fair. And in that interview, he said, the message of Christ isn't that you can't kill me. The message of Christ is you can kill me, and that's not death. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we all have to renew our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, 
and by reading and meditating on God's holy word, to make a right beginning of repentance, and as a mark of our mortal nature, let us now kneel or bow before our Creator and Redeemer. Let us confess our sins. God the Father, have mercy on us. God the Son, have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, have mercy on us. From our pride, vanity, and hypocrisy, and from all our evil plans, deliver us. From our envy and malice, and from our hardness of heart, deliver us. From our sloth and worldliness, and our lack of compassion, deliver us. From our love of money, our hoarding of possessions, and our relentless desire to accumulate more, deliver us. From the lust for sexual pleasure that obscures the true gift of love in us and in others, deliver us. From the gorging of food, the indulging of our appetites, and our neglect of the hungry, deliver us. From our hatred, anger, and quick temper, and from our reluctance to be reconciled with those we have hurt, deliver us. Give us true repentance. Forgive us our sins of negligence and ignorance and our deliberate sins. And grant us the grace of your Holy Spirit to amend our lives according to your holy word. Holy God, holy and strong, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. May the almighty and merciful God who desires not the death of a sinner, but that we turn from wickedness and live, accept your repentance, forgive your sins, and restore you by the Holy Spirit to newness of life. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the world, that a spirit of respect and forbearance may grow among nations and peoples. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those in positions of public trust, that they may serve justice and promote the dignity and freedom of all people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a blessing upon the labors of all and for the right to use the riches of creation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer, for refugees, prisoners, and all who are in danger, for all those without power, all of those who are cold, all of those in danger, that they may be relieved and protected, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this community, for those who are present and for those who are absent, that we may be delivered from hardness of heart and may show forth your glory in all that we do, we pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our enemies and those who wish us harm and for all whom we have injured or offended, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
for ourselves, for the forgiveness of our sins, and for the grace of the Holy Spirit to amend our lives, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who commended themselves to our prayers, for our families, friends, and neighbors, that being freed from anxiety, they may live in joy, peace, and health, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, pity, and defend us, O God, by your grace. Now let us pray together that prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.